All right, welcome back, everyone. This is going to be another episode of Saturday Standouts. With me, as always, is my co-host Sam Daring. Uh, last week, you guys just missed out on our um, NFL, our first ever NFL mock draft, and uh, Sam and I had a good time doing that. But go ahead and uh, say what's up to the people, Sam. How's it going? Uh, week one, week one, Pac-12 underway. Um, under our belts, I should say. Um, hopefully, we go through a safe uh, rest of the season because we got quite a few games postponed. Um, unfortunate news out of Penn State, Journey Brown, um, and or his career is over um, due to a health condition. Uh, so prayers up for him and the Penn State team and the Penn State family. Yeah, it's real unfortunate news for, for Journey Brown. You and I were very high on him talking, you know, prior to the season getting underway and everything, really looking forward to what he was going to be able to contribute to that Penn State uh, Nittany Lion team. So um, super unfortunate because it's not just, you know, his season that's out. It's like his whole career now. So um, it's it's real sad, but hopefully, you know, he ends up with a team somewhere in terms of, you know, being involved somewhat, um, whether it be on coaching or a GA or somewhere that's associated with maybe Nittany Lions or somebody in the NFL picks him up. So wish him and his family nothing but the best moving forward. Um, but yeah, let's, I guess let's just go ahead and jump into this thing, Sam. Um, I think we got a little bit, quite a lot of bit to cover here. And I guess we'll start off with, you know, the big news throughout the whole week. And that is the news of the SEC and what, what is really going on with them? It's tough. And like, it, I mean, I've always been on the side of I, like, I'm really surprised there is college football because what people don't realize is like NCAA doesn't have like the millions and millions of dollars that the NFL has for that testing. And I mean, the ACC was doing well for a while. Even the SEC wasn't doing bad, like up until like the past week or so. Um, it's tough. And I, I'm hoping we can... I'm hoping we can get through the rest of the season safely. I'm hoping they finish. And it makes me wonder if they end up switching bowl season or maybe just having a playoff. Um, I, I think that I think the bowl season is going to come into question eventually um, with the safety of these players. Yeah, it, from the get-go, SEC was kind of the guys or the conference that was leading the way, um, you know, in terms of getting a season started and everything. And now looking at them to be, you know, kind of the first ones to fold, if you will. I mean, they haven't really folded yet, so um, hopefully they don't. But I know there's, you know, speculation out there for the SEC that the games that are being postponed – let me go over those for you, with you guys real quick. So you've got – um, Georgia, Missouri, you've got Auburn, Mississippi State, you've got Texas A&M and Tennessee, and then you've all got uh, Alabama and LSU. So that's a big one that we're missing out on. Um, not only that, but A&M, this is, you know, good for – it would have been good for them to get another win maybe against the SEC team to boost their chances of getting to the SEC championship. And, um, you know, big win for Georgia over Missouri if Florida loses another game would be huge for them. So um, there's a lot going on in the SEC. I mean, you have four games being postponed. That's not very good. So like I was saying, um, there's been speculation out there that some of these games or most of these games are going to be moved to the original, um, you know, SEC championship date, which is December 19th, and use it more <clears throat> of the open week. So what are your thoughts on that? And do you think that changes anything when it comes to, you know, championship weekends and like you were talking about with the Bulls? Yeah, and I mean, I, I think the championship weekend, I wouldn't be surprised, especially I think I think it was December 19th it was, right? Cause I think you sent that to me earlier today. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up moving the championship game back a week. And I think I think we might start seeing a little bit more opt-outs. I mean, rightfully so. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing a, little, a, a few more opt-outs. I mean, Paris Ford, um, safety from Pitt about a week or two ago, um, opted out. Um Another one that opted out during the season was uh, Kansas running back Puka Williams, uh, COVID concerns. Um, so I think we might start seeing a little bit more, um, some more opt outs. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised, especially since they moved that um, postponement date to near the as near the championship weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if they like move it back about a week or two. I would probably say the following week. Yeah, and uh, before I give my take on that for a second, let me go ahead and show you guys to our ticker down there at the bottom towards our sponsors. We got mybookie.ag. Um, so if you're a gambling person like myself, 
Head over to mybookie.ag, use code USN100 for double your first deposit. It's a minimum deposit of $45 to go ahead and get that double bonus there. So again, that code is USN100. And then while you're at it, if you're, you got any you know pain or any aches on your body at all, um, head over to rxhemp.com, get your um, all natural CBD cream from rxhemp.com with rxhemp-usn for 10% off every single one of your purchases, guys. That's every single purchase, not just your first one. It's great stuff. I use it all the time. I'm about to be out, so I'm about to go get another bottle here and buy myself some more. So, um, <laughs> gambling FSU fan, I know. Fade my team every week. Sounds like a good deal, right? Hey, you gotta you gotta emotion you gotta fade your emotions at some point as an FSU fan. So, um, I hope you guys saw what happened today in Tallahassee too, because that's pretty thrilling in terms of you know this is going to be a long rebuild. So. Um, but yeah, guys, those are our two sponsors, rxhemp.com and mybookie.ag. Great stuff going on there with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Um, but yeah, back to what you were talking about, Sam, with you know the SEC and what, looking for opt-outs. I'm right there with you. I think we're going to start seeing a little bit more. I mean, you, you were talking about Paris Ford with you know Pitt. Once he saw that his season wasn't going to turn out the way that he you know specifically wanted it to, he he was kind of like, all right, I'm going to call it quits. I'm going to opt out mid-season. So I can imagine that happening with. You know, some of these teams, maybe there's some guys on Tennessee's team that's like, hey, who knows if this game's even going to get played? The season's not going the way I want it to. Um, let me go ahead and opt out. So, I mean, it depends on the type of person, but that's happened. I mean, Jamie Newman for Georgia opted out before the season even started. So um, I doubt anybody from Bama will just because they they believe that they can still win a national championship period. Um, I would keep an eye on guys on LSU's team, even though some of them have already gone too. So. Um, that's kind of where we're at right now in the SEC. And then you mentioned Ohio State, and um, I forget who they're playing this weekend, but that game got canceled, not just postponed. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they do end up um, postponing these or actually postponing these games because you just said Ohio State and Maryland was canceled. I mean, do they? I know they're playing a limited amount of games, but with – the rising cases in certain areas of the U.S., it would be interesting to see if they do end up just not playing those games. And if they somehow, if they do have a bowl season, maybe just, I know they've played around with the requirements. I saw somewhere it said we might have win this teams go bowling. Um, then I saw somewhere <laughs> that said, um, I think it was, because it's usually like four conference games you have to win. I think they lowered it to two the last time I saw. Um but I think the bowl season is going to start coming into question here. Um, I mean, look at the Badgers. The Badgers have the, – the Badgers should be in week four right now, and they've missed the, the last two games against Nebraska um, and Purdue um, due to the COVID cases over at, over at uh, Madison. Um, it's unfortunate, and it really sucks. Um, I, we're all – I mean, I think you and everyone else are grateful to have – um, not just football, but I mean, sports, like in general. And like, I think this is, so I saw someone on Twitter, he's got it pinned to his profile. He says, I will never take sports for granted. Um, but I mean, I think, I, I think we're very fortunate to still be having sports. I mean, a lot of us, I think some of us in Unwrapped here were kind of surprised even the NFL was um, having, having a season, um, even having a full season. Um, I was kind of surprised they were able to have a full season, um, but at the same time, they weren't. They, we never saw any indications of them um, kind of making those switches to their season. And NFL was doing a good job up until about two, three weeks ago. Um, and there's certain teams that are really struggling more than others. But um, I think the bowl season for college football is going to start coming into question. I think it's going to be something to watch here. Yeah, uh, and you had spoken on saying oh, – I forget what it was. Um, oh, you were saying that you just, you know, wish that we could just, you know, get everybody as healthy as they possibly can at this point and just try and finish the season, you know. Just try and finish this college football season. Let's get past it. Let's move past it. Let's look ahead to next year and, you know, look ahead to see what other, you know, health things we can come up with in terms of, you know, stopping the spread of the coronavirus and everything when it comes to, you know, playing sports especially. So – um, I don't necessarily think it's on field contact. I mean, it, it might have a little bit to do with it, but a lot of this, a lot of the SEC, it seems to have been coming out of Halloween weekend. 
Um, and you guys, if you're in college or anything like that, or have been in college, you know how Halloween, how Halloween weekend goes um, when you're about 18 to 20 years old. So um, that could be a big proponent of it too, being around a lot of people you don't know, um, just being shorter to shorter with people as well. So um, just something we got to look forward to in the future to see how do you, how do you combat, combat that and, you know, prevent teams from, you know, doing those extracurricular things besides being held responsible. So um, with that being said, um, we're going to try something a little bit different this week in terms of how we're going to be sharing um, the content with you guys over the live stream. So um, if you're watching the live stream, you'll be able to see that. Um, if you're just listening to the podcast, I highly suggest you to tune into the streams on, on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 7 p.m. Central. Um, but without further ado, Sam, we'll go ahead and jump into our Week 10 standout players, and I'll let you go ahead and lead the charge with this one. Yeah, so my my standout is Talia Tagovailoa. Um, he he has he's got forty one for sixty one on eight touchdowns, seven hundred forty eight passing yards um, through his past three games. And Raheem Jared is one of those standout players, a freshman receiver. Um, you got Jameis Jones. Um, I think that's his name. Uh, coming off a torn ACL injury. Um, and there's another guy I can't remember his name, but. Uh, um, he's actually one of their top receivers, Dante. Um, I'll remember it, but, um, the first game they lost 43 to three and coming into the last two games against, uh, Minnesota, not a lot of people expected, um, Maryland to go into that game and win is even this game that you've got pulled up here too. I mean, Penn state's been, Penn state's been one of the most disappointing teams, um, in the Big Ten right now in terms of expectations for them along with Minnesota. Um, but I love the way Talia has been able to um, throw the ball on the run, uh, really extend plays, um, and he's only a freshman. So I think he, he's he got plenty of room to grow, and he's going to be something special to watch in college football. I find it very impressive and how different this Maryland team looks with a quarterback. <laughs> um, you know, the past few years they haven't had a quarterback and I mean, they've had, you know, talent, but you know, not necessarily four or five stars or, or whatever like that. But I mean, if you just put a, a competent quarterback in there, who's going to make the right plays, make the right throws on timely throws and then make big plays too. I mean, he, he looks, I mean, not necessarily his brother ask, but um, it's pretty similar. I mean, it's just very accurate, very on point, And I mean, He's making these guys on the outside weapons, and, and that's going to be awesome to watch Berlin and how they finish off the rest of their season. Uh, Dante, Dante Davis Jr. and Deshaun Jones. Didn't mean to butcher their names, but yeah. Those are the two other guys, or two wide receivers. Yep. And then Rakeem, Jar Rakeem Jarrett uh, is their freshman, and I think he's got two touchdowns in the season right now. So um, actually, yeah, somewhat, yeah. Um, but that offense as a whole has struggled against Northwestern to open. Um, and Minnesota and Penn State have been really nice bounce-back games for them. But I'm impressed with Talia, Talia Tagovailoa um, has been able to do. Um, he's been adapting really well under deep pressure. Um, and, yeah, he, he's only a freshman too, which is really it's crazy. And I think he's going to be special. Uh, I think he's going to be special too. Um, it's very – it's crazy to see like that family and what they've been able to produce for mm -hmm. in terms of athletes at the quarterback position and, and, you know, two is just now getting his legs underneath them there um, in, in Miami. And he had, he had a great game this past weekend as well. So um, I'll go ahead and jump with that being said, I'll go ahead and jump into, you know, my guy, um, my standout player this week. And that is going to be, um, let's see here. Let's see here. It's Keaton Slovis out of USC um, had a great game. Uh, his first game as, you know, I mean, maybe not his first first start in a full <laughs> season for Keaton. Um, so let me bring up his highlights for you guys real quick right here. We'll get those playing while I'm talking. Um, fantastic day overall. But what really stood out to me for, for Keaton here is that after they got the onside kick late in the fourth quarter, him being able to, you know, make a big time throw with about a minute and a half left. And it, it wasn't an easy throw. It was a tight window. The, the corner was all over his wide receiver. Um, he had a great game. He completed 85% of his passes. So he was 40 of 55, threw for 381 yards, 
had two touchdowns on the day. One of those being that last, you know, last two minute in that two minute drill that he was able to throw. Um, what an onside kick there by USC two to get that get that in there um, late. Um, I feel bad for my for our boy, you know, Perry, the one of the co-founders of Unwrap Sports because he's an ASU grad and he actually probably called me about five minutes before the game was over and was, you know, kind of gloating about Arizona State looking good. And then all of a sudden, you know, USC just comes right back and, and hits it. So um, he also added 21 rushing yards to that, which is a fantastic day. His wide receivers helped him out a lot, as you can see by his completion percentage. So um, not a whole lot of drops there for by his wide receivers. I'm trying to pull up those numbers now. So um, for his receiving core, um, Rashad White, three catches, 70 yards, had a touchdown along the 55. Bunkley Shelton had 28 yards. Um, Porter had 18. Ricky Pierce was 16. So you didn't really see a whole lot from their wide receivers. And there's there some um, more you could say from from the running back room, which is which is good for them. So, um, you know, um, Drake, Drake London had a big day. Um, he had 125 yards, 26 long, and a touchdown on eight catches. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown had a hundred yards as well. And I was high on him, um, during the draft last week or last week we did this, Tyler Vaughn's added 50 more and Brew McCoy added 50 more. So, um, Brew McCoy had a touchdown and so did Drake London. So those are the two touchdowns that are coming from, from Slovis there. So he had a great day. Um, there we go. YouTube is out. So, um, that might happen tonight, guys. Uh, I wasn't able to check before I got on here, but YouTube is, I guess, down worldwide. So might be running into a little bit of technical difficulties when it comes to playing highlights tonight, but um, we're going to do the best we can. But yeah, like I'm saying, um, really big on, on Keaton Slavis. And I told you that at the beginning of the year when we did our Pac-12 preview or our look ahead or whatever, that I was really looking forward to how he would perform now um, as the full-time starter, not having to have anybody look over his back. And, you know, his coaching staff to have the utmost confidence in him to, you know, take the reins of that team and, and lead them in against a very good ASU squad because we were both high on them as well. Yeah, and we talked about Oregon and Stanford being, I mean, that's like a historic matchup in the Pac-12, but you want to you talk about ASU and USC. Keaton Slovis and Jaden Daniels are the future quarterbacks of the Pac-12. And if Drake London keep it up, um, one, one prospect in the SEC over at Florida – um, they, they're saying he's been a, he's been a draft riser, um, and that's wide receiver Kadarius Tony. And I've seen like before I even read that I I've seen him mocked in like seventh round in the seventh round. Now you might see him try to improve his draft stock early on in day three. Um, but I'm really excited to see what Drake London's uh, able to do. And you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman Jr. had um, I think he had almost 100 targets. Um, he was like the main. <laughs> He was like the main receiver. Um, and the fact that Amon Ross St. Brown was able to produce his numbers, the numbers that he did in the spotlight, Amon Ross St. Brown right. is going to be the top target for um, Keaton Slovis. And he he still did his thing. He still put up 100 receiving yards um, his first game against ASU. But um, these two teams are going to be the most intriguing, game, intriguing teams to watch, um, I guess, outside of Oregon, um, since they are ranked um, as well as USC. But – um, Keaton Slovis and Jane Daniels are the future quarterbacks of the um, Pac-12. Yeah, and that is going to lead us into um, our standout teams for the week here. And uh, we usually don't go over who our standouts are until we're right about or we're about to come on live here. And so it turns out that Sam and I both picked the same Week Ten standout team. And um, I'll let you go ahead and introduce them, Sam. Um, so, I mean, I think it makes sense. I like that we kind of have this team as the same one or the same team. That's BYU. Um, Boise State went into this game. Boise State was one of the top, I think they had the top, they had the top offense in the Mountain West last year. Um, and they had a top five defense. They were ranked at number five in the Mountain West, uh, last year. Um, they didn't, they didn't have any like insane losses. Nobody that really has big shoes to fill. Um, I think they had believe they had a freshman quarterback playing. I don't recall his name, um, but I think they had, a, uh, they had a freshman quarterback playing, and they um, they they gave up 573 total offensive yards to BYU. And um, what I think is going to be interesting is 
not necessarily where Zach Wilson gets picked because I've seen him fluctuate throughout the third, throughout the first round of the draft. Um, I told you, um, Jordan Reed, the draft <laughs> network had him at number four to the Giants. And what I'm intrigued to see is, will he be the third quarterback off the board or will he be the fourth one after Trey Lance? Um, because obviously people are going to knock Trey Lance for only having one season, I uh, guess one season in one game. Um, but if Zach Wilson keeps this up, I think last season he had t- over 2,300 yards, 2,387 yards. Uh, I think it was 11 touchdowns and uh, nine interceptions. And he's on pace to have career, have a career high, not have career high numbers. Um, and Boise State was the first test, not just for B- Zach Wilson, but for BYU as a whole. And Zach Wilson exceeded expectations. Um, 22 for 28. Uh, for 360 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and I talked about um, Talia, talk about low ability to extend plays. You want to talk about Zach Wilson, ability to throw the ball at different angles, throw the deep ball, and like the ability, like he, he re, like it, he's not a quarterback that panics under deep pressure. He had, does, he does such a good job with it. He wins on the ground with his feet, um, and he does such a good job extending plays down the field. Um, and I was really impressed with what BYU, BYU was able to do um, against this Mount West team that has been at the top of the conference. Um, they top offense, uh, the best offense in the Mount West last year, um, and the best defense in – or the top five defense in the Mount West. And um, BYU went up and put, I think it was 52 to 17, um, 52 or 55 to 17 – Fifty-one to seventeen. That that's unbelievable to me. And like, I don't care if it's I don't care if it's a power five. It's not a power five conference team. It's a Mountain West conference team. And Zach Wilson and BYU went in and exceeded expectations. And um, their running back Tyler Alger, um, leading rusher with fourteen carries, one hundred twenty-three yards, and fourteen or two touchdowns. Um, and one of their top tacklers was Keelan Pillai. Um, they're soft. He's a sophomore. He had four, nine total, uh, four, four in his own. Um, if you look at their defense, they've got a lot of underclass or a lot of, um, I guess a lot of upperclassmen, if I remember correctly. Or I'll have to look at their depth chart. But, um, but yeah, I, I was really impressed with how this BYU defense um, was able to play against this top. Mountain West team in Boise State. Yeah, it was. I was blown away. Um, I I was so excited to watch this game to you know start the night. It was the last game on the slate for you know that Thursday night, and everybody was going to tune in for it. And um, you know, obviously Hank Bachmeyer wasn't playing for you know Boise State, their starter last season. And so you had Jack Sears who got the start, but in in his first start of the of his. I don't know if it was his career or not, but of this season, he absolutely, you know, had a day. He His arm was super live. Um, they were t- taking deep shots with him. He was very accurate long. So I had, a, I had a lot of, you know, I don't know what to say. Like, I was just really looking forward to it. There was a lot I was expecting out of this game with Jack Sears being a quarterback, too, against a, a pretty good BYU defense. But both these teams have pretty great defenses, and BYU just kind of shredded uh Boise State's defense here this past Thursday night so or Friday night I don't remember which one it was but um yeah and I mean you gave us pretty much all the stats Zach Wilson have a day three touchdown 90.8 QBR for over 350 yards um Algier um over 123 yards rushing on just 14 carries for 8.8 average for two touchdowns um, the wide receivers, another great day from Romney, six catches, 133 yards, um, no touchdowns, but uh, Pau got the touchdown there. And then Isaac Rex got two touchdowns as well. Um, so three touchdowns there from the day for Zach Wilson, who, like you were saying, Sam, is really working his way up draft boards. And you had texted me the other day saying he's being projected in, in the first round, moving high up and being, you know, the third, second or third guy off the board now, just based off of his play. He's a playmaker. Um, that's for sure. But thing is, is when I look at Zach Wilson, do you really see all the intangibles that you're used to seeing out of a quarterback mm-hmm. that you need to play in the NFL? In my opinion, he reminds me not exactly of a Johnny Manziel type, but Johnny Manziel-esque, um, kind of, you know, 
how you have a read. If the read doesn't happen, you got to find out where your next one is. If that one's not there, you got to make something happen. So if you don't make something happen, then, you know, you, you can kind of get stuck there, but he kind of gets bailed out there by with Boise state. They have a strong offensive line. So he has time to do go through all of his progressions. Um, not only that, but he's got a, a hell of a backfield there too, where you can just dump it off real quick. Obviously their tight ends heavily involved too. So the offensive genius that is behind that is doing an extremely great job of, of putting Zach Wilson in great positions and the team in great position as always. And I'm like, like I said, Boise state wasn't a defense to, you know, joke around with. They, they come in pretty experienced after last season and then they were ranked number one in, in a, a bunch <clears throat> of categories, not a bunch, maybe some categories coming into this game, albeit after just one game for them. But um, you can see they, they had momentum. Um, they expected to be, you know, the team that shuts down Zach, Zach Wilson, at least that's what they should have been. And then I guess once, you know, Sears went out with that concussion or whatever was wrong with him. And um, what is his name? Finnegan came in. I don't know if the team just lost all of its confidence um, just based off of what was happening. Finnegan played well when he first came into the game, but um, uh, for defense, you're going to be a little hesitant or you're going to come after the guy um, when you get a new quarterback in. So I think BYU is just testing out, see what he was going to do before they, you know, hopped on and leaped on him. And obviously um, he was not the guy for them. I think he's a true freshman, only completed 15 of his 26 passes, which isn't awful. Um, but when you you have a QBR of 25, you only throw 182 yards for two touchdowns and a pick. Um, you can't really say much. The running game for Boise State never got going. Um, Van Buren only had 45 yards on 16 carries, so a 2.8 average. Um, and it's bad when your your third string quarterback is your second leading rusher on a team. Um, so BYU's defense, in my opinion, just showed that they are super stingy and they're not really going to give up a whole lot. So we were talking about it last week, or I don't remember when, about if, if or maybe it was on the Saturday morning show um, that's on 11 o'clock, the Unwrapped University Live, that um, does anybody think that BYU has a shot to, you know, be that fourth playoff team? And I think <laughs> that was one of the things they were kind of coming out here to do on Saturday night or that Friday night. And I spoke about it on Saturday morning is that that was the whole reason that they did what they did. They went for two. They put up a, a 50 burger on, you know, the number 21 ranked team in the nation. That's what you got to do when you're an independent school trying to make a name for yourself to get into the, the fourth playoff spot there in the playoffs. So I think it's, it's going in the right direction. We'll see if they can keep it up because you're going to need that the rest of the season. Um, I like BYU. I just don't know if they'll be able to get there. Again, their defense, Sam, you're speaking on it. They, The guy, um, Keenan Pill, had nine total tackles, four solo, so five assisted. Um, they also got an interception from Caleb Christensen there for a six-yard return. And I think they also recovered a fumble that Kate Finnegan fumbled. So, yeah, he did. Um, and Keenan Pill also recovered that. So um, it, it's crazy how stingy this Boise State or this BYU defense is. I'd like to see him against, you know, better offenses because that we were expecting that here with Boise, right? With, with Sears in the game or, or with um, ben, or Hank Bachmeyer possibly coming back, but neither of those things happened. And well, Sears did early until he got injured with a concussion. And then we had to deal with Finnegan coming into the game, who is not really going to scare a BYU defense who is just looking to do nothing, but, you know, create turnovers, create havoc on the defensive end side of the ball and, and then turn those point those turnovers into points and, ultimately just run you out of your own building. And this game wasn't just all eyes on Zach Wilson. This was a game that are people going to start taking BYU seriously? And it's it's the very similar reason to, one, Notre Dame. Like Not a lot of people take Notre Dame seriously um, because they also play in the they, – they also don't play in a conference. Um, but Notre Dame looks legit. And, like, yeah, granted, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence playing. What would you say? I said except for this year. yeah um i mean they they've been they've been in the conversations for for past few years for a while now um being in the top four but another team that is also in the top 10 uh but play doesn't play in a power five conference but they're in um the american conference and that's the cincinnati bearcats and i think byu in cincinnati um obviously zach wilson desmond ritter is no zach wilson i know you know i'm high on desmond ritter but Zach Wilson is obviously much better than Desmond Ritter. 
Um, but I think those teams in general are in a very similar situation where is it time to start taking Cincinnati seriously? Is it time to start putting Cincinnati having a conversation of putting Cincinnati in the top four? And the same goes for BYU. I texted you Paul Feenbaum um, of the SEC Network. Paul Feenbaum's poll prediction, he's got BYU in the top four. He's got BYU right at number four. Um, that's the first That's the first ever expert analyst I've ever seen. Um, so if, if BYU is able to pull that off, um, let alone even Cincinnati, I will be truly impressed. I think that will be awesome to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, the one knock that everyone is going to give on these teams is they don't play any competition. Like, yeah, they have an impressive defense. They have – BYU has an impressive defense, and it was it's nice to see Zach Wilson not only rely on one target. He has multiple targets around him. Yeah, they're not elite, um, but he has pieces around him to work with. Um, but are we we obviously Notre Dame is in the ACC this year, um, so you're you're starting to see them put up more uh, play more competition. Um, but I, th- I think that's the one knock that everyone is going to give on these teams. Um, that like BYU and Cincinnati, um, I shouldn't say one and only, but one of the big knocks is that they don't play anyone in the Power Five conference. And it, it, it's unfortunate too this year because all these conferences are going into a conference only schedule. But um, BYU, um, I think, is a legit football team, obviously, with Zach Wilson um, leading the pack. Um, but I think this Boise State win. Um, with not only Zach Wilson exceeding expectations and them putting up 50 plus points, 51 to 17. Um, but I think this was a statement win for this team. Um, and I think ho- hopefully um, people will start to take them seriously, but to put them in the top four, I think is very bold. Um, I love that Paul Feenbaum did that. I, I love, I love uh, hot takes, bold, bold predictions like that. Um, I get, I haven't seen Cincinnati Yet. So it'll be interesting to see um, their statement wins because I know Cincinnati hasn't played anyone um, great all year. Um, I mean, granted, BYU hasn't either, but this was a statement win for Boy- for uh, BYU. Yeah, it was a huge statement win. Again, it is bold. Um, that, that hits it right on the head there, you know, Sam, when you said that. Um, it's just hard to, you know, imagine a BYU who's not playing anybody in a, in a conference five. Um, big five, if you will, one of those teams out there. So it's hard to put them in that four spot unless they do something extravagant. And I mean, even though they have, they necessarily haven't been, you know, whooping up on teams that they should. And I think maybe that only blemish comes against UTSA where they only beat that team by seven and UTSA is not close to being the level that BYU is this year. So that's a blemish on them, but that'll move us into um, our next portion and that's going to be you know more of our nfl portion it's more of our our draft picks and looking ahead to the this upcoming week here and that's going to be um the guys we are looking forward to watching play um for nfl draft picks so um i'll go ahead and bring in mine first and that is going to be um our guy kyle trask out of the university of florida so um i'm really looking forward to watching him this week after his big week this past weekend against UGA. So the reason I chose Kyle Trask this weekend is because we just saw him go up against probably perhaps the best defense in, you know, college football right now. And it's being run by Dan Lanning, who's a great defensive minded defensive coordinator. Florida's down 14 and then they come back. Kyle Trask has a huge day. Um, He's got great weapons in Kyle Pitts. He's got another great weapon and weapon in Tony, like you had mentioned earlier in the, in the episode. So, um, Kyle Trask, his last week versus UGA. So, again, remember, this is against perhaps the best defense in college football, um, yet alone the SEC. So um, he completed 69.8% of his passes, okay, 30 of 43, 474 yards, over 450 yards passing, four touchdowns, and one pick. Um, absolutely outstanding numbers for Kyle Trask. And the reason why I wanted to point this out is because you and I have had this conversation in the past, um, Sam, and that's – is Kyle Trask a legit NFL quarterback or can he be a legit NFL quarterback or quarterback, excuse me. And I think this game right here kind of goes ahead and proves that to you. I mean, look at the numbers he put up against the best defense in college football that everybody talks about being, and you expect him not to be able to throw like this. And in the NFL, he has, you know, NFL type weapons on the outside or in the backfield or at tight end. 
I think this is just Trask making his name to move up the draft boards. Yeah, and I know we've had multiple conversations about Kyle Trask. Um, what's interesting about this game is Georgia had some of their star players out. Uh, they didn't have Richard LeCount. And I'm not okay. like bash at all because this is, I don't like, you're still playing Georgia, arguably one of the best teams in the SEC, um, top three, arguably. And um, from what Kyle Trask has been able to do at that game, I, I think you can definitely have a conversation of him. Is he going to be a legit NFL quarterback? Um, but he didn't have Richard LeCount wasn't playing. Um, I think I don't think their D line was playing or the defense or one of their D tackles was out. One of their linebackers was out. I think his name was Jordan Davis because uh, I know Monty Rice was playing, um, or maybe it was Jermaine Johnson. Um, but but I mean, granted, yeah, you had some of their star players up, but he was still put up. I don't want to repeat the stats, but he was still able to put up those numbers. Um, and not just this game, but the season as a whole. I mean, Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts have been nothing short of impressive. Um, Kyle Pitts has really moved. <laughs> I had Pat Frymuth as my tight end one, but Pat Frymuth has been struggling the first few, first few games. Um, I think there's a strong chance we might only see Kyle Pitts as the only tight end taken. Um in the first round, and you mentioned Kyle Pitts being able to line up as a receiver, and you can't name any tight ends um, that can do – not only that are able to do that, but are able to do that effectively. Um, but Pat Frymuth, yeah, he can line up as in the backfield. But Pat Frymuth, like Marvin Wilson, a lot of people expected a big leap from Pat Frymuth, and I think there's a strong chance um, with the season that he's having – um, struggling right now, we might see we might only see one tight end in the first round, but I know it's way too early. But Kyle Pitts has been nothing short of impressive. Um, I like the Kyle Trask pick a lot, and actually, my pick is the other quarterback that Florida is playing, and that's Felipe Franks. Um, I'm gonna keep going back to Arkansas because this is a team that you and I were not high on. They're now, uh, yeah, I, hey, I don't blame you for doing that. I don't blame you at all for doing that because I mean, that's so at least we're calling ourselves out, you know, it's, you gotta accept it exactly. So, my question is this, and Felipe Franks, and like, let's not act like that Arkansas has played like bad SDC teams, they were they held their own ground, they were able to put up a fight against Texas AM. And Felipe Franks threw three touchdowns against AM and they lost. They, yeah, they did lose by 11. So they have had some struggles finishing those games. Um, but right. I think this is another test. And I think if Felipe Franks, I don't expect Arkansas to win this game um, because Florida's hot. And especially coming off of a rust of like of two weeks of, um, of them like shutting down their facility due to COVID. Um, Florida, Florida still looked strong. I mean, yeah, they played Missouri, but they still looked like a strong football team. Um, I don't expect Arkansas to win this game, but if, but if Felipe Franks can put up a fight, I want to ask this question. Is it time to start putting Felipe Franks in the conversation of this is a talented quarterback draft class? Because, yes, we have Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. But after that, it's a pretty – decent i wouldn't say a huge gap but it's a pretty decent gap i probably i think you could have a conversation with putting kyle trask in that conversation um i don't think mac jones is gonna be a first round pick i would probably put mac jones in the tier below because i think mac jones is really good um but is it time like i i think if he has a, a if he puts up a good fight against this team puts up elite numbers is it time to start having a conversation of is like, should Felipe Franks be in the conversation of like, of this 2021 talented quarterback draft class? Uh, I think it already is um, probably, you know, a beyond talented QB class in terms of, you know, the past few years or so. I, I can't remember where I've had so many quarterbacks that I'm, I'm reading off. I'm like, this guy could do it. This guy could be good. This guy could do it. And this guy could do it. And, um, I just seem like I feel like I'm doing that a lot this year. I don't know if it's because I'm being more analytical when it comes to, you know, watching players and when they play or, you know, looking at stats or anything. But um, absolutely, Felipe Franks was kind of, you know, cast off in terms of, you know, making it 
or even being drafted as a quarterback um, when it comes to this year's NFL draft after, you know, flopping at UF and then getting injured and then them kind of moving on and going to Trask full time. And, but I mean, you look at his numbers already this year, he's completing almost 70% of his passes, which is after last year, but he only played for, he only threw 71 attempts and only completed 54 passes last year. So he had a 76.1 completion percentage last year. So I'm not even going to worry about that one. But if you look at Frank's completion percentage this year, it's at 67.2, which is close there to like a 70%. And the previous two years at Florida, he had a 58.4 and a 54.6 completion percentage. So not all that great you know, on a Florida team that always has weapons either. And then he has a, a, a QB rating of 154.7, which is out of this world, has already thrown for um, a little over 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions talk to me about that that is in that is incredible numbers right there for a guy that has been prone to you know turn the ball over when he was at florida and all of that nature and then him coming in here to arkansas and getting into kendall browse's offensive system has really done wonders for him i, I wasn't quite sure how he was going to be able to run it but um he's been able to run it extremely well and for him to put up these type of numbers so far this year through six games it, it's really going to start earning him some you know, draft love there, probably not in, you know, the early rounds or anything, but you know, that five to five to eight range. So, I mean, um, or seven, how many, how many rounds are there in the NFL draft? Seven, 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 seven. Okay. Five to seven range. I'm more of a college guy. Sam's our NFL guy. So um, he's going to be there, you know, he's going to be there. Um, if he goes undrafted, somebody's probably going to get a steal of a, of a backup, you know, um, Felipe, I always, you know, hated on him because of his antics off once he does do something good and then he does something bad immediately afterwards because he just thinks he's the you know what. So um he he's shown a lot of composure this year, not so much in your face and more of I need to get the job done to put myself in a better uh in a better position to win games and be a better quarterback. And he has done that so far and I, I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the season. And um, I like this I like this test for him too because obviously Florida did lose some um, key talent. Obviously, C.J. Henderson was the top. Um, was their biggest loss of their defense. Granted, their D-line had some big losses too. Obviously, Jonathan Bernard. Um, I think he went to he went to Houston. Uh, David Reese, I think, went undrafted last time I checked. He was on the Vikings. Um, but Tadero Slayton is now one of the leaders on that defense. Uh, he's now the leader of that D-line. Uh, so that they're going to expect him to make that big leap. But I mean. Just because of those losses, I mean, Florida's still a top three defense in the SEC right now through the through these um, through the halfway point of the <laughs> SEC season. Um, and I mean, we talked about Florida last season too. I mean, Florida had like a top ten like halfway through the season. Florida had like a top ten defense in the country. Um, I mean, Florida's still like a very productive slash elite defense. Um, so. Um, I like that we both picked the same matchup too. So I mean, I think both of these. I think this quarterback matchup um, is going to be fun to watch. Uh, Florida quarterback versus former Florida quarterback. So um, it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, that, that's. I didn't even realize that until we just came on and we were talking about Felipe Franks just now. Is that we do have quite the QB matchup here in a former Florida quarterback going up against the guy who took over for him. So that's going to be fun, and we'll see how Felipe performs. Um, Arkansas Razorbacks aren't necessarily good on the road, so we'll see how he's going to be able to perform in, in the swamp. So it'll be a good a good game to watch this weekend. One out of the three SEC games we're going to get. So uh, you can go ahead and go with your defensive uh, guy you're looking forward to this week, Sam. Uh, so mine is Jack Sanborn of the Badgers. Uh, I mentioned obviously Zach Bond, Chris Orr, big shoes to fill. He's the new face of that defense. Um, and he only had three tackles, three total tackles against the game against uh, Illinois. I know. I think it's. I think it's Pro Football Network that I saw. They knock him for his um, for his wild tackling. So I think that's something he'll have to clean up a bit. But um, th this is the new face of the defense. And um, Joe Milton of that Michigan offense. Joe Milton looks legit. Um, and Michigan might finally have their answer at quarterback. Um, no one's. No, it was not Shea Patterson, <laughs> but um, that Michigan, Joe Milton looks legit, <laughs> and I think this is a nice test for um, Jack Sanborn. And let's remember, like I mentioned, um, I mentioned Florida going two straight, two full weeks of 
having their facilities closed. I mean, now the same thing's going to happen with, with Wisconsin, Wisconsin and um, Michigan's got some pretty bad losses and they, they went and beat Minnesota, a team that nobody expected to start off their season. Owing to nobody expected Michigan alone to beat this team. Um, I mean, at least we didn't, I don't, I mean, I think, I think after the first week people were like, I, I saw someone tweet, uh, oh, this is Jim Harbaugh should not continue to be on the hot seat, but then they go and lose against Michigan State, um, and and then they, I don't recall who they lost to last week, but or I don't or they, yeah, I don't remember who they played last week, but um, Jack Sanborn is, yeah, I mean, Mr. Stat Sheet, five and a half sacks, uh, nine tackle for loss. Um, this team is coming off two two full weeks of. My guess is I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe not even play the postponement games, um, depending on the status of all these cases rising. Um, but they didn't get to play Nebraska, and they did not, which I think that would have been a great game for uh, Jack Sanborn. Nebraska is in full rebuild. I think Adrian Martinez is a good quarterback. He just has nothing around him. And I think a lot of people were saying Scott Frost knew what he was getting himself into. Um, and then in the, in the fact that Nebraska is in full rebuild mode, Nebraska is going to be at the bottom of the big 10 um, for a few years. Now they're not going to be competitive for a while. They've got lots of work to do. And I mentioned JD Spielman going um, over to TCU. He was, um, he was Nebraska's top wide out. Um, and then they missed the game against Purdue. Rondell Moore, Rondell Moore has been hurt for the past few weeks, but um, I think they've got him back this week against Northwestern. Um, but, they're playing Michigan, and out of the teams, because I'm just, I'm, my guess is they wouldn't have had, um, they would have been a, a small possibility. They might not have had Rondo Moore last week, um, but I think Michigan offense obviously is better than Illinois. So I think this is going to be a nice test for um, Jack Sanborn, and I, I, I expect Jack Sanborn to make a nice leap. Um, because I've seen him mock not even in the first three rounds. So um, hopefully he can make his way to um, somewhere in the late day two range, uh, fluctuating somewhere in the third round, because uh, I've been seeing him in the fourth and fifth round. I'm hoping he can improve his draft stock um, to be a day two draft pick. Yeah, I know. I didn't really know much about Jack Sanborn until I met you, Sam, and I started watching a little bit of tape. And this dude is just like you were saying; he just flies all over the field. He is everywhere whenever you need him to be. Not necessarily in that first game. I, I don't think he really needed to be because of you know the circumstances that that it was with you know Minnesota's not as great as everybody thought they were. And um, I mean, you're up big. There's no reason you know to go all out and you know show all that flash and everything, but. I think we see the real Jack Sanborn this week against Michigan. He's going to need to um, fly over the field because, you know, Michigan likes to spread the ball around. You got Milton, who's a lethal threat with his arm and his legs. So um, you got to watch out for that. And for Jack Sanborn to be the type of player he is, he's going to show up for big games. And this is going to be a big game for him. And like you said, he, he's a stat stuffer. We saw last year what he was able to do, just – insane type of mentality when it comes to a linebacker and you got to kind of have that a little bit of craziness if you will um from your linebackers and everything so um i love jack sanborn i think he's going to be a great player in the nfl i don't know why he's not being shown a little bit more love when it comes to the nfl draft um but i think he deserves more and whoever gets him is going to get one hell of a guy who's going to you know go full motor every single play and he's going to give you heart and he's going to give you it every single play so um, if you can snag him and just based off of his film, you don't even have to look at his stats. Just go watch the guy play and you're going to know you're getting a football player who's going to be able to contribute to your football team. And I just realized this too, Sam. Um, it looks like we've got another matchup in the same game. <laughs> um, and so obviously I'm going to be talking about my guy to watch here on defense this week is going to be on the Michigan side of the ball. And that's going to be their defensive edge, uh, Quiddy Pay. Man, you can't say enough about this guy. Let me go ahead and put the tape on for you guys so you're able to see what he is able to do. This is just his game against Minnesota, which is probably perhaps his his best game in terms of, of stats-wise anyways, at least at this point in the season. But um, Pay has you know been nothing short of amazing so far. Everybody kind of looked over him last year. Um, you know, wasn't necessarily the guy, didn't get all the snaps, but 
you know, provided enough. But so far this year, he's had, what, 25 pressures overall, Sam, through, through three games, which is absolutely incredible. When you break that down, how many pressures a game is that? That's a little over eight. So uh, uh, a little over, geez, a little over nine. What am I talking about? A little over nine pressures a game. He had two sacks in, in that uh, win against Minnesota, the first game of the season. He has 12 total tackles, nine of those solo. So he's getting to uh, the players in the backfield. That's great. Um, the only problem I have seen with him is he hasn't been able to, you know, as, act, like actually get the quarterback down in the backfield these past two games against Michigan State and Iowa or uh, Indiana, excuse me, not Iowa. So I expect him to, you know, come out this game and try and get a little bit of pressure on Graham Mertz there. I know it's going to be difficult against the Wisconsin offensive line to get back in that backfield. And it's going to be even more difficult without his buddy there in Aiden Hutchinson. So um, he's going to really have to, you know, put on his big boy cap here and come out and really show the NFL scouts that, Hey, I can wreck havoc by wreck havoc by myself in the backfield here. And um, Graham Mertz, if, if he's going to have another day, like he did in that first game, I'm going to be worried, but if, uh, you know, if pay can get back there, then, then it'll be a different story. Yeah, Caleb, I remember I texted you on Saturday and I said, Cody pay is going to be a top 12 draft pick. Um, so I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to call that bold because I have seen that, but I think he's going to be a top 12. And if he goes top 10, I mean, I saw Jordan Reed of the draft network say, Oh, I mean, this edge number one is going to be tough. Um, but I think Cody pay is going to be the second edge rusher off the board. Um, I think skill-wise, Gregory Rosso is just a little bit better. I wouldn't say Gregory Rosso compared to Cody Pay. I wouldn't say Gregory Rosso is on a whole nother level. Um, but I think skill-wise, or technique, I should say, um, I would put Gregory Rosso just above him. But um, I think depending on how Cody Pay finishes that season, his season he's having right now, I think he could lower – I think he could shorten that gap, and I love Quiddy Pay. And you mentioned that Aiden Hutchinson's out. Aiden Hutchinson has a lower right leg fracture. He's out indefinitely. Um, so this is Quiddy Pay's time to shine, and this is Quiddy Pay's time to solidify himself as a first-round talent. And I remember writing a draft profile on him when some people had him as first-round talent. Some people had him as early second round. Um, and now, like, through the first three games, you mentioned 25 pressures um, in his first three games alone, um, which that's unbelievable. And now that Aiden Hutchinson's out, this is his time to um, make a statement and start solidifying, solidifying himself. Because right now, I think he's arguably top um, in, in the first round. I think he has the talent to be a top 15 pick in this draft. Um um, I, I think I've seen him in the top 10, but Quiddy Pay is a special. Um, Quiddy Pay, I think, has a tremendous amount of upside. And I mentioned his thing with his matchup against Tristan Wirfs last year. Um, there's a guy on that Minnesota offense, offensive line. Um, I don't recall his name. Uh, Lyle Fala uh, I don't. I don't want to butcher his name, but. Um, he was, he's, he's soaring his way up the boards too. Cause I've seen him in the second to third round. Uh, but Northwestern, um, uh, yeah, Northwestern destroyed Maryland. Uh, but now we've seen Maryland the past three games. Um, and they've been dominant Talia specifically has been dominant. Um, so I think this could be a big game for Cody pay and, a big statement for Cody Pay, and you hit it right on the money there, Caleb, when you said he has definitely improved, um, just soared up the boards since last season. Um, and I think this is his time to shine. Yeah, and I'm just watching his his highlights right now while you were while you were talking, Sam, right now against Minnesota, and they've got him lining up inside. They've got him lining up outside. They got him standing up a little bit on the outside. They've got him playing pretty much anywhere on that defensive line that he wants to play, or where you know the defensive line coach or the defensive coordinator wants to place him. And watching him, it's amazing watching him come from the inside out and stunning like that around the defensive end and just completely you know beating him, even though the end knows he's coming away. And he's stunning over like that. So it's incredible the athleticism that this guy has, the type of motor he has. He's definitely going to be a pure, you know, pass edge rusher, edge rusher when it comes to the NFL. Um, doesn't do much in terms of stopping the run, 
but he does get back there and that's a good thing. I mean, you can get a little pushback and sometimes you'll get lucky and run into a running back trying to bounce it outside. So um, obviously a pass rusher at first and that's how it's going to be, but we got about five minutes left here, Sam. So um, let's go ahead and jump into our upset picks of the week here. And I think I messed up the, the week. So pretend you don't see week 10 there and it should be week 11. <laughs> um, I mean, with all these postponements and cancellations of the games, uh, it almost makes it less tough to pick. But I've got uh, I've got Purdue over Northwestern, um, especially Rondo Moore coming back. Um, I've seen Rondo Moore falling out of the first round. I think he is first round talent. And I think this is I think this is going to be his time to um, really come back from where he left off last season. And um, he's not your big bodied receiver. I think he's under 180 pounds. I think he's 176 when I checked him when I checked. Um, but he is probably one of the fastest receivers in this draft. Him and Jalen Waddle, I think, are very close. Um, but I've got Purdue over Northwestern. Yeah, I don't know. I've got to look real quick because I originally had I originally had Michigan over Wisco. Um, I think I'm going to change my mind on that because even though you know Wisconsin's missed the past two to three weeks without playing football, that means they've had three weeks to watch Michigan film. So that does not bode well in Michigan's favor there. Um, so if I had to pick one, uh, maybe an upset here would be. Uh, I'll go Virginia Tech over Miami here this weekend um, in in Blacksburg. You know, um, Virginia Tech always plays hard. Uh, usually they haven't looked all that great this year. But if you can shut down Derek King, you have a chance at winning the game. So, uh, I mean, Miami's defense isn't anything to be scared of as NC State put up 40 points on this, this past weekend. So um, if you can score with them, you have the chance to win. And if you can just get maybe – a turnover or two from that Miami offense, put yourself in a good position and on the field, you know, get, get inside the, the other team's 30 there. You're going to have a real great chance of pulling an upset at you on your home field. So uh, look out for Virginia tech this weekend against the number nine ranked Miami hurricanes. And, you know, at some point Miami is going to drop another one. I feel like I, I don't think they're going to be in that race with, you know, Clemson and, and, uh, and um, Notre Dame. No, and no, I like that pick too, because, Miami has almost been on and off this year because they started off kind of weak and now they're starting to come back. And obviously Derek King had Derek King had himself a game. He threw five touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. And Virginia Tech blocked a field goal against Liberty and took it back to the house, but then they called timeout before that play happened. Um, so, I mean. Liberty's I a good say, football team. Yeah, and you know I like Virginia Tech. I'm not high on them, but I like Virginia Tech. Um, but I think this would be a really good win for them. Um, and I forgot to mention about Cody Pay as well. Um, I also like that you picked him because Wisconsin's all on you. And I mm -hmm. think we're going to be seeing a lot of um, – this might not be as intriguing as Cody Pay versus Tristan Wirfs, but a lot of Cody Pay versus Cole Van Lannan, um, a hopeful um, – mid-round or, or mid-round i would say draft prospect third fourth round draft prospect um but quitty pay against the top tackle um in cole van lennon um and i mentioned i want to say it was minnesota that i saw that um where one of his minor weaknesses but again he has the skill to overcome that and you can tell through his first three games that quitty pay has started to improve on that as when you watch him, I think it was Minnesota that I found that um, where his initial step off the ball, um, yeah, he plays with an insanely high motor, um, but his initial step off the ball won't be as powerful as it is, and you won't see him. He'll lose his leverage. Um, but again, I mean, we we saw plays that you just pulled up where that did happen to him, um, but he used his speed to – um, get to the play. He used his high motor. Um, so I think this will be a nice test for Quidipay, um, because this is going to be the best offensive line that he's going up against yet this season. Yeah, it's going to be something to watch. Wisconsin offensive line is no joke, that's for sure. Um, I know we're not going to have, you know, quite the lineup that we thought originally we were going to have this weekend. Um, it's a shame. So thank you, SEC. <laughs> Just kidding. 
Um, but yeah, it was a pleasure as always, Sam, to uh, spend this night with you and, and talk some uh, college football leading into, into draft football here very shortly. It's coming upon us very quickly. Um, before we log off, you want to go ahead and uh, plug anybody or, or give any of your other shows a shout out? Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, as always, uh, you got the down there, follow Sat Standards USN on Twitter. Um, give my co-host a follow, CHS No Caleb. He actually just started writing for uh, Chop Chat, I think it's called, right? Yes, um, sir. Definitely go check out his articles. Um, does a great job on that. Um, and uh, Sportscaster, I do Sportscast with Matt Skura um, over at the Unwrapped Sports Network called the Title Town Show, Big Packers Talk. Um, I also run Dairy Sports. Uh, we're we're going to be doing uh, college basketball predictions for all Wisconsin teams. Uh, today we had my buddy on um, for Marquette. So Marquette, be on the lookout for that. That'll be dropping tomorrow. Marquette season predictions, um, career building podcast, fantasy football podcast, all over on Dairy Sports. Uh, definitely give me a follow. Yeah, Sam, uh, you shouted out one thing I'm doing already. So I'm about to start writing articles for Fan Sided through Chop Chat, which is awesome for state, you know, area of the article business and the blog business there for Fan Sided. So it's great, awesome. Um, also, as always, follow Saturday Standouts USN on Twitter. It's a great follow. Um, you know, we always post our, our podcast after the fact, after the live show. So keep an eye out for that, too, and always subscribe and leave a review. Um, outside of that, I run a Florida State podcast called Tribeaholics, where we obviously talk about Florida State sports and we drink beers while we're doing it. So that's cool, too. Um, and then outside of that, uh, I'm just, you know, flipping over, you know, all kinds of different panels and everything with the Unwrapped Sports Network on Unwrapped University Live on some Saturday mornings. Also do a little bit of NFL, you know, recaps after after games. Sometimes we'll do them during games. It's it's fun stuff. And then also unwrap these bands where we live or we, we gamble while we or we watch the games while while we talk about what bets we gambled on um, with other unwrapped contributors, um, Steve Lewis and Mark Belleville. So um, a lot of stuff happening over at unwrapped sports and it, it's just been a great time and um, we're just moving forward and, and getting better day by day. Uh, thank you again, Sam. And that's been another episode of Saturday standouts. <laughs>